We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Yes, 10.07, hanging tough on News Radio 9.30, WBEN, it's Hardline, Brenda and Beamer in for you. Brenda, happy uh, Sunday morning. You know, I've always said, as long as I'm on, I don't care where I'm built. I like it. Very, very nice. The B&B group. That's right. I sat in the wrong chair. I have no... You notice uh, how weird that feels? Yeah, I like to have the The armrest. Well, that's very professional. <laughs> Are you comfortable now, Joe? I am very comfortable. Can I get you a warm towel? Brenda, I have my Monster Energy drink, my Cheez-Its. We're ready to go now. Breakfast of Champions for Beamer yet again. <laughs> that's hey, right. Speaking of food, Joe, we have a Sunday buffet of topics. Oh, we sure do. We have a lot of things to get into this week. And how exciting is this, Joe? We're about 48 hours away from David Bellavia's Medal of Honor ceremony. At the White House, President Trump will be putting that Medal of Honor on our friend and colleague, David Bellavia. Really, so t- every time I think about it, I get goosebumps. It is, it's an amazing honor. I cannot wait. The coverage, obviously, all day on WBEN. Susan Rose, Mike Baggerman, Tim Wenger, all in D.C., wall-to-wall coverage. Starts at 3 Goes till question mark. Let me just say that much. Um, so we're very excited for our friend David. Uh, and it's it's funny how he is just so, you know, he's done. He's getting the Medal of Honor, and it's tough to get a hold of our good friend David Bellavia because he is just such in demand right now. But he deserves it all. Yes, I mean, David he does. deserves all of this. You have you read his book? I have not. I'd like to get my hands on the book. You read that book. I mean, and, and David is just so matter-of-fact kind of guy, right? He's Very a, much so. Very unassuming. Yeah, you would never. You read that book, and then you have the discussions we've all had with David. You're like, really? I mean, it's just what an amazing guy. He seriously put all of his troops on his back. I mean, he saved a lot of lives. He certainly did. And uh, if you saw him walking down the street, you would never know who this man is. He doesn't. He doesn't point to himself. He doesn't make himself known. He's very, very humble genuine guy when I heard his press conference Joe I was just taken you know so taken by it I was moved to tears he was so articulate so compelling very much that whole team approach even though so much of it had to do with him and what he did to save those lives it was never about him it was all about the team approach and it's very genuine so the honor I think that he is receiving this Tuesday 
is more than well-deserved. And so is all of the national uh, spotlight that he's in. I know he's been on Fox. I know he's going to be on a, a number of other nationally known shows. So I'm looking forward to it. And when he talks about this medal and when he talks about his time, you're right. It's never about him. It's always, this is for my guys. Absolutely. This isn't just me. This is my team. Everyone who was involved deserves just as much of this medal as I do. And that's... Uh, you know, you don't always hear that. So yeah. that's, that's a great uh, way to take it. It's a very consistent theme by David. And uh, almost as impressive was the flood of donations driven by Tom Bowerly and our generous listeners far and wide, Joe, not just in Western New York, who donated nearly $50,000 the last time I checked for these folks to be in Washington, members of his team, David Bellavia's team, to travel to D.C. and be with him as he receives this incredible honor, rare honor. Yes. So, so how great with that uh, flood of donations. Thanks to the listeners uh, that Tom got during his show a few days ago. Uh, all of the members David wanted there and the families of those members will be in D.C. And the rest of that money, I believe, going to the Stand Down That's right. campaign. Um, so It's a win-win. Definitely. So thank you uh, to David and to the listeners because that is amazing how, what, in three or four hours, like you said, it was over 40000 and I think now over 50000 It's right, yeah. So, so those were lofty goals, and they were exceeded. They weren't only met, they were exceeded. So, so you know, if you, have, if you have a comment on David, I think we will open up for that. Um, if you have a comment on him getting the Medal of Honor, or something we talked about earlier in the week, if the president asks, do you think the president will ask him to run in NY27? Now, I don't think he'll do it on Tuesday. No, I don't think that would be appropriate. But is there, in the back of someone in that administration, should this guy be running NY27? If you have an opinion on that, like Brenda says, we have a plethora of comments. The 11 o'clock hour, we will have Lynn Dixon on at 11.15. And, quite possibly, Mark Polencar's. We'll be calling in. That's true, Joe. Mark got back to me this morning. He said he will try to call in sometime in the 11 o'clock hour. So he did indeed respond. And we look forward to talking to the uh, the two candidates, the two main candidates battling it out for the Erie County Executive Post. And their first question will be the toughest of the interview. What's your favorite Debbie Gibson song? <laughs> I'm sure that's top of mind for them, Joe. Yeah, well, that will be their first question because, Brenda, as you know, I like to ask a question they might not have had asked before. So I think that would qualify. What is your favorite Debbie Gibson song, Brenda? Uh, I'm not a big fan of hers, so I can't tell you. I mean, I, I couldn't even name one for you at this point. Well, I heard you talking earlier with uh, Randy about it and some of the, the hits that she played. Uh, and I recognize the names, but it's not like I could go and say, oh, yeah, that's the one I like. I, she was just never my cup of tea. Well, Lost in Your Eyes, she did a duet with Joey McIntyre, and it was great. Now, if you got a Snapchat from me, you mostly heard me singing and not the duet. Uh, but it was a great show, the mixtape tour, uh, New Kids on the Block, Debbie Gibson, Tiffany, with her one song, Naughty by Nature, and Salt and Peppa. Tiffany, Let still doing it, huh? She, hey, <laughs> is that a great example of making one hit last an entire career? Uh, you know, more power to her, I Her guess. and... Um, Tommy Two Tone, right? Is that did I get the name right? Eight six seven five three zero nine. Yes, I remember that song. Uh, but you know, Tiffany has that one hit. So what did she do? Just come out and do that? She yeah, because so it was New Kids the whole time, and then just in the middle of sets, these you know, different groups would come out and do their their songs, and then New Kids would come back out. Tiffany did her one song, um, you know, 
Three years ago, she was still doing it at malls, but now in 2019, there's fewer and fewer malls. So she she hopped onto this tour. The venue choices are becoming slimmer and slimmer. Joe, I've got to ask you, I know you had a great time and you went with your dad, which I think is so great. What was the traffic like? There was so much going on downtown that night. And I love seeing that. I lo- We did a show about this uh, a month or so ago. I love seeing downtown happening. Me too. You had John Prine. Where Sandy, I'm sure, will I give us... I can't wait to hear Sandy's review. He'll give us a review tomorrow. You had Kerfuffle, which I've heard from everyone that attended was great. You had New Kids on the Block, the mixtape tour. The Bisons were home. And it was a beautiful day. Yes. So you just had people downtown to be on the water. Not to mention folks getting out of work. Yeah. Right, it right was there, a work day. Right there at 5 o'clock. Yeah. We took an Uber down, obviously. Smart. Because uh, driving was would have been a mess. And yet, you know what, Brenda? There was traffic, but there were just people walking around downtown. And 10 years ago, that would have been such a sight for sore eyes. It is so nice to see so many people downtown and so many events downtown. Absolutely, Joe. And events that really draw a lot of folks, you know, mainstream events or, or even little niche things that people enjoy. Like you're a Debbie Gibson fan and I'm not. So <laughs> there are people who are going to go and see her, but there are folks who love sports and will hit a Bison's game or just simply want to walk along the waterfront. We're three days into summer now and it's so far so good. Um, and I think particularly with the cool rainy spring we had, if there's a, uh, an opportunity to get outside with nice weather, you're going to soak it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, so look at the sun right now. It's beautiful. Finally. I did lose I, my sunglasses on oh, Friday. No. So that was the only negative. Did I you left. leave it in the Uber or yeah, left? Yeah. Because uh, it was one of those moves where I wore them downtown. So for the whole concert, I had them on the top of my head. And then when I got in the Uber, they must have fallen into the seat, which well, is fine. They were cheap sunglasses. We'll get a second pair. Are we into ZZ Top now? <laughs> we'll play some LaGrange coming back. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Sorry, that monster is hitting the... Uh... It's not the Cheez-Its, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But we do have a plethora of topics. We hope you join us. 803-0930. It's Hardline. We're talking David Bellavia. When we come back, we'll introduce a few more topics. And Joe, I have a quote. I found this quote this morning, and I want to put it out there to the audience and see if they can guess who said this. Here's the quote. In politics, nothing happens by accident. If it happens, you can bet it was planned that way. Who said that? Here it is again. In politics, nothing happens by accident. If it happens, you can bet it was planned that way. Kind of to your point about whether somebody in the Trump administration will approach David Bellavia Tuesday about running for NY27. So let me know, folks, who do you think said that quote? He's a very well-known name, and I'll give you a hint. The gentleman is no longer with us, and you would know his name instantly. 3930, if you want to text in, 803-0930 to call. Like I said, we're ha- well, like Brenda said, we're having a buffet of topics. When we come back, we will introduce those other ones. It is Sunday. It's Hardline. Buffalo, wake up. We're going to have some fun. Gee, no coincidence that that's on the uh, the playlist here. Is Joe Beamer, uh, our music man, Joe Beamer, is the guy who likes to pick out some fun bumps. All right, Joe, no coincidence that you picked this, correct? No, I think the first hour will probably be a lot of uh, mixtape artists. <laughs> and then, um, well, you know, 
Lynn and Mark will pick the bumps for 11. Oh, I like Their it. Their favorite Debbie Gibson song is what we'll play. I imagine they won't agree on that either. That would be interesting if they do. <laughs> yes, it would. You know, it'd be funny. Remember last week I asked Tony when he uh, finished his call, say one nice thing about Trump. I'm still waiting for Tony from Clarence <laughs> Maybe he'll to call give in. us his one nice thing about Trump. <laughs> hey, welcome to the uh, Brenda and Beamer Buffet. How do you like that, I like Joe? that. Texter with a great, Texter. great title. Brenda Beamer Buffet on this Sunday morning. It's beautiful outside. So, hey, you know what? Maybe you're home right now getting ready for a run. Well, you don't have to turn us off. Get the radio.com app. Go to WBEN. And I'm telling you, that run will be just that much easier. I do that all the time, Joe. As a matter of fact, uh, if I don't hear some of the shows during the week live, I will go to radio.com and find the podcast on demand. It's a great way to listen. It's also, I like to listen back uh, during the week to Sandy's show, uh, because there's always that one time, and I'm sure the listeners will say more than one time, that I I say something uh, that I probably shouldn't have said or wish I had said differently, sounds very unintelligent, and I like to listen to it a few times and wonder where my head was when I was you saying You know what that. I like about you, Beam? You owe up to that. You own up oh, yeah. to your mistakes. Oh. You don't try to gloss over them. There was a show last August I did for the NY27 um, thing, and it was a long night before, I'm not going to lie, and I hosted one to four Sunday afternoon, and after a Monster Energy sip a little too close to coming back <laughs> on air, I may have had a little burp embarrassing oh no but as soon as it happened i fessed up i said i am so sorry tom maddie found that burp and isolated it <laughs> uh, but you know tom maddie is our engineer but you know i find he has, has fun with your uh, your inappropriate uh, bodily functions <laughs> but i find if you owe up to the mistakes you have then when you actually when something happens that's not your fault People aren't going to think you're just covering up. That's a good point. Yeah. Yes. By the way, before we went to the break, I mentioned a quote. You didn't just belch again, did you? I turned my mic off. Oh, thank you. Um, the quote was this. In politics, nothing happens by accident. If it happens, you can bet it was planned that way. Who said it? We actually have a caller on the line, Joe. Let's see. It's Dean from West Seneca. Good morning, Dean. Hello, Dean. Hey, Dean. Hello. Can you hear me? Uh, I gotcha. can, Dean. Yeah. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You got it. Absolutely right. Wow. It was FDR himself. Do you agree with that, Dean? Well, yeah, and I think it's important for people to remember that um, because of all the nasty things that have come out of the federal government since then. Yeah, there's no question there are a lot of things that uh, many of us don't agree with. Uh, and I do think, especially, Dean, in today's day and age, that people are always moving the pieces around and that things don't happen by accident. There's, there's just too many... Uh, people involved and too many uh, strategic moves going on that uh, nothing is by happenstance. I think FDR is right. And can you imagine if FDR was living in today's day and age with the the consultants and the Twitter and the Facebook and all of the different avenues that we consume information, uh, how relevant that quote would be even more so in today's day and age? Well, it makes sense. I mean, it does. The people that end up in, in government aren't stupid. Some of the laws you would think were created by stupid people, but that's a very important quote for people to remember. Yeah, indeed. Yes. Thank you. Did you uh, have to look it up, Dean, or did you know it? No, I've known that for quite a while. Yeah, I'm impressed that you know that. Somebody mentioned uh, on the text board, they guessed that perhaps it was Tim Russert who said that, which I think is a good guess, but you are indeed right. It was FDR who said it.
Dean, thank you so much for the call, and thanks for listening. You're welcome. Dean and West Seneca opens up a line for you, 803-0930. Brenda, we want to bring up something else. Now, again, we are jumping some topics out there. You can call in on anything we've talked about. Debbie Gibson. Uh, <laughs> what is she da- running for? David Bellavia. Anything uh, in, in the federal government this week. Obviously, if you have something to say, we'd love to hear it. But it was announced this week that Roy Moore is going to make another run for Senate. Roy Moore, the alleged child molester. Yes. One and the same. And, and here's the thing about Roy Moore. Okay. Um, you know, innocent until proven guilty, right? You have all of that. But you're in Alabama and lost to a Democrat. <laughs> that tells you something. Why would you run again? I mean, to me, that's like a Democrat governor running in New York State and losing. I have an answer for you, Joe. Okay. And it starts with an A. I think it's the arrogance factor. That's why he's running again. I think this guy is the epitome of arrogance. Well, you would think now, if it was a few years ago, he lost, he beat Luther Strange, was it, in the primaries, who actually had uh, the president's backing. Does he get back into it, or are there any fresh names in Alabama that can run against Roy Moore in a primary? Um, Because... If Roy Moore is the Republican candidate, that will be a Democrat senator from Alabama for six more years. Wow. You would think with the power in the White House that the Republican Party would have someone to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, and even President Trump tweeted, he said, Roy Moore cannot win. Uh, So I think he realizes that Uh, Roy Moore's base is really the evangelical conservatives. But beyond that, does he have any support, do you think? Well, obviously not. And in a state that is out-registered very far Republican to Democrat, uh, there was a Democrat who's Doug Jones. Is that the— Yes, Doug Jones. And I believe he won pretty handedly if you were given the numbers in Alabama, right? If you're given the difference in registration, the Doug Jones election tells you this guy is not electable. And like I said, I really hope as as someone who is a supporter of the president and would like to keep Senate— you would hope that there is someone out there in Alabama, of all states, the Republicans could put up and actually beat Doug Jones. But like you said, I think you're 100% correct. It's the arrogance. And unfortunately, there's a lot of that in politics, Brenda. Oh, my gosh. It's, uh, of course it is. I mean, it just goes with it. I don't even think twice about that. I, it's a given in my mind. It's how, you know, and it's not always a bad thing in that sense, Joe. I mean, arrogance, there's a huge difference between being assertive and being arrogant. Um, arrogance to me has a very negative connotation to it. But I think you have to have a thick skin and think that you can get the job done, that you're the man or woman for it. So it's not a bad thing to think that you have a lot of self-confidence to do it. I think where it gets dangerous is if you start to blur the line and become so arrogant that it doesn't matter, that if you're an alleged child molester where you were banned from a mall because of what you did, and you still think you can run for a position of uh, public office like that. I do think he has now veered heavily into the arrogance lane. It's it's not being able to read the room. And yes. Roy Moore, I have the same message that I had a few days ago for Chris Collins. It's an election year for the president. You're not going to get his support. He is not going to align himself with Roy Moore or Chris Collins when he is also trying to get reelected. So if the Republicans were smart, and I think they are, They will have someone that can beat Roy Moore in Alabama as they will someone that could beat 
Chris Collins in a primary here in NY27. I'd like to know what you think. 803-0930. Shoot us a text, 3930. We will be back after some news with Alan Harris. And welcome back to the Brenda and Beamer Buffet. We've got a lot of things to uh, talk about, a lot of items on the menu, Joe. And if you want to uh, take a spot at the table with us, you're more than welcome. 803-0930. Or feel free to uh, send us a text, 30930. We're talking about everything from David Bellavia's upcoming ceremony this Tuesday in Washington, D.C., a momentous day for all of us here at WBEN and for David Bellavia uh, with unbraved, uh, unmatched bravery. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens on Tuesday, Joe. It's going to be quite a day. We're also talking about Roy Moore in Alabama. And, Joe, I know you're a big college football guy. Tommy Tupperville is among those challenging him for the nomination. Yeah, Tommy Tupperville, who made his name in Auburn. Everyone remembers those years, including the almost national championship year. Or if you follow the AP actual national championship year when they beat the Hokies by three in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, He also went to Texas Tech and then Cincinnati. But Tommy Tuberville has thrown his hat in the race. And here's a guy, like I said, made his name at Auburn, the second biggest, most popular school in Alabama where college football dominates. Oh, absolutely. And I think some people just don't understand how college football dominates down south. It's truly a religion in the south. It really is. I mean, Saturdays... Nothing beats a Saturday on campus getting ready for a, a football game. But Tommy Tuberville, you know, Brenda, you reminded me that during the break. I think Roy Moore is uh, is kind of toast already. I do, too. You I know? hope so. I, I wish this man would just go away and stay away. With a, with a failed run already, and we'll go right back to that arrogance thing, with a failed run, and now he's going to run a primary against Tommy Tuberville, <laughs> of all people. <laughs> Who's uh, really considered royalty. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he built up Auburn. And remember, right after he left, two years later, with Cam Newton, they won a national championship. Absolutely, yes. Uh, so Tommy Tuberville, and well-known in Auburn, or in Alabama, going back to Bama, should be an easy win for him. Doug Jones is going to have one heck of a fight on his hands. Yes, and of course, with the president coming out against Roy jo- Jones, it can, Roy Jones, Roy Moore, easy for me to say. Um, it really can only uh, hurt his chances even more. So in this case, I definitely agree with uh, President Trump's tweet about Roy Moore, Joe, and I think that more to come on that situation. One last thing. Did you see who's assisting Tommy Tuberville's Senate who's run? That? Sean Spicer. <laughs> former oh, former uh, press, camp, <laughs> press secretary. So he's got some good yeah. people on his side. And Tommy Tuberville, I mean, he... He knows how to give an interview. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> He's done it a he few knows, times. Yeah, he knows his way around a microphone. Isn't it interesting how these uh, former press secretaries resurface in different ways? I guess that's what happens. When you're done with that high-profile position, uh, you certainly have a name for yourself. So I think it's a smart move for somebody like Tuberville to employ Spicer, even as a consultant. Oh, yeah. And uh, he knows how to. Uh, he knows the ins and outs of Washington, certainly, and how to run a campaign. Now, let's circle that back around. A lot of people have said, if it's not NY27, that David might be approached 
to be the next press secretary at the White House. I've heard that. I've heard you guys speculate about that on Sandy's show as well. Uh, I don't see that happening. I think that the U.S. Army would probably have other thoughts about the best way to use somebody like David Bellavia. I don't think that would be his best I think uh, he'd be asset. great at it. I think he would too, um, but I don't think I think he could do more to serve the country. Oh, yeah. And like he said, he'll do anything to serve his country. And a lot of us have talked about it here. I think that's going to be running in NY27, but I'm not sure. Well, we'll have to find out soon because Chris Collins said that he'll make his decision. Yes, uh, by the end of summer. Yes, by, so relatively soon because we know how fast our Buffalo summers go. Now, what do you think uh, when we look at Chris Collins? I've been very vocal of what I think. I, I don't. I mean, here's a guy. He's been kicked off all of his committees. I've read the indictment twice. He's got a, the case. The trial starts in 2020. 2020. Um, now, I am not biased against Chris Collins, but if you read that indictment, it's pretty strong. I mean, not only do you have phone records, you have video evidence of those calls. And like I said, I mean, I think Chris Collins has done some good things for his district. He got the president involved when he was still not as toxic as he is now, that being Chris Collins. Um, but again, I'm going to tie it right back to what you said last segment, arrogance. arrogance. Because if you read the room, you're, on, you're not on any committees. Say you do get reelected. You're going to spend that whole two years probably fighting your case, trying to stay out of jail. The president's not going to come near you. You're not going to bring those things for your district you were bringing when you were on committees. So what is the point of running when you could stay back, fight your legal battles that are coming up, and let someone who can represent this district and maybe get back on those committees and get the approval and support of the president. You know, uh, Joe, that's a great point, because if Chris Collins really had New York 27, the men and women who live in that vast district, that's what he would do, because he is powerless right now. He is impotent, because there's no way that somebody who can't serve on any of the committees can help his community and his constituency. And that's what this area needs, is somebody who is a strong representative, who has some juice in Washington, and not somebody who's had their legs cut out from under him. So I'm with you on this one. Yeah, it's time for him to go and make that decision that say, you know, I've got other fish to fry right now, yep. uh, including staying out of jail right. and uh, other members of his family, perhaps, who are in that same situation. Say, yeah, say he gets through that, he fights his legal battles, he can always jump back in in some capacity. But right now, you're not only hurting yourself, I think you'd be hurting your district. Say you do run and win again, I, um, you're either going to hurt your district or you're going to run, lose, and lose that seat right. that you, you say you care so much about. It's a lose-lose proposition for him. For sure. I'm just so glad that Roy Moore can't uh, run in New York 27. Yes, thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> Who else will? I mean, it's a crowded field, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, if Bellavia doesn't throw his uh, hat into the ring, who else will, do you think? You, you have Chris Jacobs, who already says he has. Yep, he's already in there. Uh, I, I still think, as much as I think it would be a bad idea, I think you and I could probably agree Chris Collins will, right? I, I, I'm not sure he can read the room. So I think he will run. Uh, Stefan's been on the fence of running. I He's been positioning himself, I think. You know, um, and if David doesn't run... I don't think it's crazy to think Michael Caputo would mm -hmm. throw his hat There's in. There's another name that you hear about a lot. And you talk about a guy that knows the ins and outs of Washington. No doubt. And knows the right people in Washington. That would be a very interesting primary if those four, if David does not get the uh, nod and those four run against each other. Here's another advantage that Caputo has too, Joe. He's been on numerous talk shows, national talk shows. He's really a political pundit. 
So the folks who host those shows and the producers who book those shows know who Michael Caputo is. And so I think that gives him even more credibility because he would be on a lot. I remember when Collins first got into Congress, it was a big deal to see him on national TV. He was the first congressman to come out and endorse Trump. So he therefore made a name for himself. But it isn't often that you see people from New York 27 on national TV. Now, I think with Caputo being such a well-known entity, he would absolutely be somebody that would be in um, on the national spotlight. They know he can handle himself on national TV. They know he can handle himself if there's conflicting views uh, on shows that he's on. And I think that he's the go-to guy. Producers are always looking for people who can handle themselves in the spotlight. And take it one more step. If the president gets reelected, Michael Caputo would definitely have President Trump's ear. Oh, no doubt about that. You know, so that yes. would be great for the district. 803-0930. We're throwing a lot at you. Hope you can digest it. If there's something you want to throw back at us, that would be great. 3930 on the text board. Uh, to one of the texts we got, I would love to be in New York next weekend for the 50th anniversary celebration. Unfortunately, as of right now, I will not be there. Um, but it will be a lot of fun, and I hope to see a lot of stuff on social media about it and obviously follow the games on TV. Oh, I'm sure you will, Joe. And you know, it's the Sabres' 50th year this year, too. That's right. You know, I was kind of disappointed at the draft that they didn't bring out a new jersey. I thought they might. I know there was some speculation about the third jersey being the, you know, the 50th celebration jersey. What do you think of the dark blue? Do you like it? I'd like to go back to the original. Me too. I, I understand when it when it came out what it was, but I think everyone in the city is really wants the original blue and gold. And a lot of people, as a third jersey, including our Brian Mazarowski, would love to see that black and red as the third jersey for the 50th anniversary, just like Vancouver's doing with their 90s-style jersey as a third jersey for the 50th. For the black and red, Joe, you must assure me there will be no goat head on their jersey. Why not? Oh, it's part no, the goat head. One of the best one of the seasons worst ever. But one of the best, two of the best seasons in Buffalo Sabre history in spite were of the in goat those head. jerseys. In spite of the goat head on the front. Well, I will- Awful. I, I would make a I would make a compromise. We could go with the third jersey from the early 2000s. I like that I idea. call it the, the Tim Conley jersey. Uh-huh. Is there a concussion in there? No, I just remember him wearing that jersey. I think he <laughs> that poor guy. I think he definitely <laughs> suffered a concussion in that jersey. <laughs> At least one or two. <laughs> I'm not taking the the worst of odds, obviously. No, that's for sure. No, but that'll be interesting to see uh, what the Sabres do to celebrate. And let's hope maybe have some wins. They could. Oh my goodness! Please turn around the season. It was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Vancouver and Buffalo celebrating their fiftieth anniversary. Who has the better season? Hmm, that's a tough call. Because both have kind of been in the basement lately. Yeah, and they came in together, obviously, with 50 years. Uh, Well, let's hope it's our team on the East Coast here. I hope so. I hope so. But you know what? I'm not going to lay any money down, Brenda. (laughs) 8030930. When we come back, we will talk more about NY27, about Roy Moore. We'll take your call on David Bellavia. We'll throw some other things at you. Remember, 11 o'clock, we have Lynn Dixon and Mark Pullencar's And they'll answer that very first important question. What is your favorite (laughs) Debbie Gibson song? More after this. Come join us at the buffet. Yes.
10.53 Sunday morning. It's You like that? Brenda and Beamer. It's the Brenda and Beamer Buffet here on WBEN. We have another hour, six minutes. The next hour, jam-packed. Lynn Dixon and then Mark Pullencars obviously asking the tough questions. What's their favorite Debbie Gibson song? And uh, did they go to the... No. No, we'll be asking the real questions at 11 o'clock, so make sure you stay tuned. Again, if you had to miss any of the show, if you have to miss the next hour, it will be online at WBEN.com and on the Radio.com app. And I want to say hi to Ilya, who is on our text board, uh, my pal who owns Route 20 Ice Cream. Good day to go out and get some uh, cone sundaes, a uh, little Dole Whip, keep you cool in the heat today. Hello to Ilya. Thanks to everybody who texts in, 803 803- 0930 is the phone number, or 30930 if you'd like to send one of those texts. And one of our texters might need a little medication, so <laughs> I have I have the perfect um, suggestion for them. Nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. For five different stomach. All right, there you go. <laughs> well played, Beamer. Well played. <laughs> 803-0930. If you want to call in, we will definitely get your call. Um, and you can call in during the interviews, too. We'll take your calls after that. If you have a question you think we should ask, either Lynn or Mark, 3930. Love it, Joe. We will definitely ask those. Um, Mark and I are great Twitter friends. So I'm sure uh, he's heard some of my questions already. <laughs> but we'll cover everything that we can in the time we have them. But with four minutes to go, another thing nationally that we have yet to mention, the big Iran conflict earlier in the week. We had Iran shot down an unmanned drone. And then according to the president, we had, was it men in the air? Or we had a plan to attack Iran for the unarmed drone shot down. And it was reported that the president decided about 10 minutes before that was supposed to happen, he had a change of mind and a change of heart. So he called off his approved military strike um, because Iran shot down a $220 million U.S. drone, Joe. Obviously, it was a drone. It was unmanned, so no loss of life. But it could have been ugly. And the president has come out and said, look, uh, I asked people who know these things what would the collateral damage be? A nice euphemism for people losing their lives. And they said at least 150 people would be killed if the president retaliated in the way he had uh, proposed. So he decided to pull back on that. Was that the right move? Love to know your opinion, too. 803-0930. I'm glad the president took that stance, Joe. I'm glad he said, let's not do that because it will escalate quickly if that if that were to happen. Yeah, and, you know, if the last thing, I mean, that is one thing uh, the president ran on was to get out of conflicts, of unnecessary conflicts in the Middle East. Now, obviously, them shooting down an unmanned drone, you wonder, were they asking for, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's Sunday morning, Brenda. I'm were, they, were they being Retaliation. Were they looking yes, for retaliation right. for an excuse to start a war? And were they being provocative on purpose with that and also um, when they were hitting the uh, ships in the Gulf of Oman? Right. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You've heard from the president's critics that he's impulsive, that he will just do things. This shows the complete opposite, right? He was told what would happen. He wanted to think it out. And with 10 minutes before the planned attack, he had the composure to say, hey, let's get these guys in. It's not worth the innocent life. And you still have people, the left of him, complaining that he didn't attack Iran. 
Well, and the Democrats did support his move, too. I saw Nancy Pelosi came out and supported what the president did. And I'm glad that he thought twice about it, Joe, because the fact that he even said, look, I was going to do one thing and did another, I think speaks to a certain level of maturity, perhaps, that the president is showing uh, about this situation. Because think about it. He's got John Bolton and Mike Pompeo in his ear saying, do it. I mean, they're pretty darn hawkish guys. And I'm glad that the president had the, the presence of mind to say, I've changed my mind. And 10 minutes before this war is about to happen, I've decided against it. And he said that. He acknowledged that he changed his mind. So I like that the president did that. And uh, for once, we had some agreement on both sides of the aisle. But and, and this is commentary, obviously my opinion, but it just shows no matter what he says or does, they're going to have a complaint, right? Because if he would have attacked, that would have been the de- the whole debate on Wednesday would have been about that attack. Of course. But now they'll uh, attack him for not agreeing with people within his administration. Well, that would be a pretty, I mean, would he even be in power? You know what I mean? If he just listened it's, to everything everyone said. Well, I mean, it's he, a given though, right? I mean, that's the way this whole thing oh, works. Of course. Of course. You know? And as I said in the uh, first part of the show with the FDR quote, everything is planned. Yeah. In politics, everything is planned. And I think it's, you know, to the nth degree now in today's day and age. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think... I agree with the president that, you know, it wasn't worth the loss of life, of innocent life for an unmanned drone. And again, look back at his campaign in 2015. He constantly attacked former presidents for going to unnecessary wars, including members of his own party. Yes. That's why him and Jeb were always at each other. And you know that would have come up had he done the attack. Of Of course. course. So no matter what, there's going to be criticism. And that's just the way it is. It's the way it works. There's going to be 803-0930. Hey, when we come back, we've got... Lynn Dixon and County Executive Mark Polonkar's back-to-back, not together, back-to-back. Yes. We will ask them the hard-hitting questions. It's Hardline. It's Brenda and Beamer. Eleven oh six here at News Radio nine thirty WBEN. Brenda and Beamer here on Hardline. Little new kids on the block. Great show Friday. That's Joe, I know you're really into the new kids on the block. Aren't yeah. they the new like old kids on the block at this point? Well, yeah. Aren't Maybe the, the middle aged kids on the block. Are the aren't the Backstreet Boys the Backstreet Men? Yeah, but they still go by the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> they didn't come out with walkers or anything, did they? No, no, not yet, not yet. Uh, okay. They were joking about that though. Maybe in like thirty years. So. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, as much like as we tease you about it. You love life. You love music. Yeah, you're not embarrassed to talk about the boy bands. Good for you. No, you know it, it's. I really enjoy '80s music. I wasn't around for the 80s music, so when it's still here and I can still enjoy it live, Hall and Oates in August Love them. should be a great show. Um, so yeah, why not? But this hour, Lynn Dixon and Mark Pullencar's back-to-back. Your questions, 803-0930, star 930 on a cell phone. You can shoot us a text at 3930. And it looks like plastic bags are what our audience want us to bring up. There are a couple of mentions of plastic bags for sure. I think the illegal immigrant uh, license uh, question will certainly arise with both candidates. And uh, we certainly welcome your comments as well. 803-0930. What would you ask Lynn Dixon, who is the independent running for county executive? And what would you ask the incumbent, Mark Polenkers? Uh Also, if you'd rather text in, you can do that too at 30930. Yeah, let's go to Bob in Buffalo. Bob says he has a question for Mark. Bob, good morning. 
Good morning. Uh, I do have a question. I had a chance to hear uh, the uh, Councilman Ringo speak with the Common Council President on Friday in which uh, he explained why he carries a gun. He had witnessed an attempted murder in front of his house, went to court, and as a response for his testimony, they shot up his wife's car with 18 rounds of ammunition and sent him a message, which is why he is a licensed uh, gun-carrying uh, uh, person. Uh, my question for Mark Polencars is if Mark Polencars enters a school, uh, is he uh, leaving his armed guards outside? Because I know he had an armed detail and uh, was wondering if the councilman was being treated unfairly because he can't step foot on school grounds for 18 months and uh, will not be able to attend his son or daughter's graduation over this. And this is all over his civic duty as a citizen witnessing attempted murder or shooting in front of his home. And I'll be happy to hear what Mark has to say over this. And the same thing with Lindus Dixon, because we do have a Second Amendment right to protect yourself over matters such as this. Thank you, gentlemen. And uh, young lady. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. I give Wingo a lot of credit, Joe. I know it was a topic of conversation on Sandy's show for uh, a couple of days. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for admitting that he had the gun on him and that he forgot and he took it to uh, the principal's office. They put the magazine in a separate spot from the, the weapon itself. But I do think there are consequences to that. So it's a bitter pill to swallow. But I, I don't disagree with what they did um, in terms of barring him from the graduations. See, I, I, I'm OK with them barring him from the school. But taking him away from the graduation is punishing the child more than it is the father. And I'm fine with him having an 18-month ban, ban, but let's take a look at the other way. What if he realized he had that gun and just walked out of the school? Then there wouldn't have been any consequences. So are we saying now when you owe up and you admit your mistake, that's when the consequence is? Because, again, most people that called into Sandy's show on Friday said, if I know this now— I would realize I had it and just leave the school. Right. And DA John Flynn opted not to charge him. So I think that was sort of his reward, if you will, for admitting it, for owing up to his mistake. Um, but as you point out about the kids being punished because their dad isn't there, they also are learning that there are consequences to making a mistake. But what are they learning to when you fess up to the mistake? I, Like I said, I am all okay with the 18-month ban from the school. But because he fessed up and he didn't just walk out of the school, I do think he should be able to go to that graduation and then have the 18-month ban. It's a, a very fine line, but I think the ban was correct. I think there, yeah, we, we don't agree on everything here at, uh, at the buffet. That's the beauty of the show, Brenda. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a lot of food for thought on the table here. Uh, we're going to talk local politics with, as Joe and I said, uh, Lynn Dixon coming up momentarily and then later in the hour with Mark Polinkars. But, Joe, I do want to mention about Biden versus Booker. There's been a, a lot of criticism for former Vice President Joe Biden from Senator Cory Booker and other 2020 Democratic candidates after uh, Biden made controversial comments about his time working with segregationists back in the 1970s. Um, if you remember, I know you don't remember this, but you may recall reading this, that when Biden was in Congress with Mississippi Senator James Eastland, Biden said he never called me boy, he never called me son. Shortly after they had Cory Booker fired back saying, you don't joke about calling black men boys, and needed Biden to apologize. 
Biden, interestingly enough, Joe, refused and said he doesn't have a racist bone in his body. So apparently Biden and Booker had a little tete-a-tete, and uh, they did talk uh, from all reports privately, and no apologies have been exchanged. Here's the thing about Joe Biden's campaign. He is the front runner right now. And there is a lot of history on Joe Biden. This guy has been in D.C. his entire life. So it's all going to come out. And it's how Joe Biden responds to it. But this is just like Hillary in 2016. Joe Biden is another establishment, established politician. And let me tell you, Brenda, that's just the start. Because the issues with his 87 campaign are definitely going to surface. That might take further down the road, but his plagiarism, his lying about his college grades, this is all going to come out as long as he's the front runner. Oh, it's it's already out. Yeah, I think it'll be just more uh, more of a focus on it, more pronounced, because people will just grab onto this. And when they see stuff like this, that Biden and Booker are going at it, two very prominent Democrats, the folks who don't like Biden will certainly just, I think, emphasize those issues, especially the plagiarism. To me, that's that's a tough one to overcome, you know, because it really speaks to your integrity. And if you're going to plagiarize something, you know, in today's day and age, that will be revealed. There's no way around it. It's just too easy to find stuff in today's day and age. Oh, for sure. And um, you can like Joe Biden a lot, but admit he is a gaffe machine. So you have his history plus what he is bound to say. Not to say Trump's not, but what Biden's bound to say on the campaign trail, um, it, he's got a big lead, but he's going to have a lot of battles uh, throughout this campaign to get to what everyone I think is already thinking. I think everyone already assumes it's going to be Biden-Trump, but if you learned anything from 2016, never assume no, I in don't, this day and age. I don't think that uh, I necessarily assume that at all, uh, Joe. It's just way too early. I mean, we're not even in the election year, for goodness sake. No. And uh, and to call people front runners, I think, is is a silly uh, label to put on folks because it is simply too early. Out of all the candidates, certainly, I think Biden has the biggest name recognition. And I think that's what's propelling him forward, too. I mean, let's face it. He's a former VP, a longtime senator. Um, but he does say some really stupid things at times. And he's still trying to overcome the whole thing about, you know, rubbing women's shoulders and massaging them and sniffing their hair and all of that. In today's day and age, you have to be much more circumspect about doing things like that. Yeah, he might have wanted to start doing that during his time at VP and not now. But hey, when we come back, we're going to take a break a few seconds early. When we come back, Lynn Dixon is on the line. She will answer our tough questions, starting with what's her favorite Debbie Gibson song <laughs> here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Good morning, Buffalo. 11:20 at News Radio 9:30 WBEN. It is Brenda and Beamer. There we go. And Joe, we're delighted to have on the line Lynn Dixon. Lynn with an E, by the way. Lynn is the independent candidate for county executive. Lynn, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, good morning, Brenda. Good morning, Joe. Great to have you on board. I know you had a busy morning. If I remember correctly, you were at a 5K run uh, benefiting folks uh, who have been victims of domestic abuse. Is that right? That's correct. It was in Lackawanna. It was named for um, a a young woman who um, a few years ago lost her life uh, to the father of her children and at the time she had 
a six-week-old daughter and a two-year-old son who were there at the time. They were not harmed. But uh, So it was named for her. It was the second annual, and it was a great turnout. I would say we had um, – there were 350 pre-registered. More than 400 came out today, and it was um, – it's a great cause. So. Oh, I'm glad to hear you uh, bring attention to that, Lynn. And um, you've been on the campaign trail. You've been in the Erie County Legislature uh, for 10 years now, and then you declared your candidacy for – Erie County Executive. When you're on the campaign trail, Lynn, what are the issues you hear about most often? So, and I, I spend a lot of time, I mean, I really enjoy meeting people and hearing from them. I think it's really important uh, in politics and in government to get input from people in the community. So I've been doing a lot of that. And certainly the driver's license issue is uh, first and foremost uh, among many residents that I hear from. I also hear a lot about roads and infrastructure and uh, the terrible condition that our roads are in. Um, you know, and I want to stress that with the with the driver's license issue, you know, I've been talking about it for quite some time. When uh, lawmakers in Albany took it up, uh, it was important, I thought, to get ahead of it, to let lawmakers in Albany know where I stood and know where the majority of Western New Yorkers stand on this issue. Um, unfortunately, the county executive did not comment at all on it or weigh in on it. And, and it is an issue that impacts Erie County directly. It impacts the budget. It impacts the operations. Uh, and it, it is somewhat of an unfunded state mandate. And so I thought it very important to take a stand on this issue. Unfortunately, the county executive was silent on it. Dylan, when you talk about it impacting the budget, how does that affect uh, the actual dollars and cents of our budget? Well, in the county clerk's office, they will have to issue these driver's licenses. Uh, we deal with many different languages. Obviously, the county clerk's office will be, and Mickey Kearns has spoken about it at length. Um, and and there's the training that's involved. Uh, so there is an increased cost to it. And ultimately, you know, that comes, Everything comes to the county legislature uh, whenever whenever the county clerk is asking for more money for something or whenever the sheriff needs to spend um, dollars on something within the jail or what have you, um, whenever the county executive uh, is spending money on whatever initiative it is, it comes before the county legislature. So every spending item comes before the county legislature, and, you know, we have to make decisions based on that, and and the clerk's office will be impacted. And again, it's New York State and primarily New York City politicians who very much like the idea of giving the driver's license to illegal immigrants, uh, passing their beliefs on to Western New York and upstate New York, and there's no way to fund it. There's no, there are many loopholes within that piece of legislation, number one, and there's no funding trigger for it. So, uh, it's again, it's one of those things where something is sort of pushed through because they can, rather than having careful, thoughtful deliberations and work something through. Uh, and I don't feel like we saw that at all. And I was disappointed by the county executive silence because I thought uh, being you know, the largest county in, in western New York, upstate New York, that he could have uh, taken a stand on behalf of the residents. County. Lynn, if you were sitting in the uh, Rath building as county executive, what would you say to the idea of having the hotline used to report illegal immigrants uh, as proposed by Stefan Mihailu? Well, that's the initiative of the county controller. That's not something that I'm doing. 
Uh, I, you know, my preference is that we didn't pass this at all. But now that it's been passed in the county legislature, we passed a resolution this past week in support of the efforts to take this to court, to have the courts finally say, you know, what super is it? Is it federal law? Is that what we should be paying attention to? Is it state law? Um, so that is where my fight lies. That's where why I took a stand as I did, and that's why in the county legislature we pushed forth, uh, put forth, and then pushed for it a resolution that said we have to go on the record in support of the county clerk's efforts to take this battle to court. Len, another thing that has been talked about a lot since it passed was the upcoming plastic bags ban here in Erie County starting March 2nd, or I'm sorry, March 2020, not March 2nd in particular. Um, where do you stand on that? And is that something you would you would turn back if elected? Well, that is state law now. That is, I know that the county executive had pushed for that a couple of years ago in his state of the county address. It didn't go anywhere, but then the state took it up and they passed it as a state law. Now what comes to us is the opting in to the five-cent tax on paper bags. I put forth a resolution months ago asking the legislature to take a stand on that issue uh, because the county executive has made it known that he is in favor of the five-cent tax on paper bags. So in the legislature... I put forth a resolution in opposition to, to let uh, the governor know that we do not want to opt in to the five cent tax on paper bags. Uh, So that has been my stand from the beginning, and it continues to be that way. Yeah, with people leaving New York State and Erie County in particular, do you think laws like this are scaring more businesses away from Erie County? Look, I think that we find... 10 ways to say no before we find a way to say yes. And it's frustrating. I have heard from numerous business leaders in the community. I have heard from numerous small businesses in the community that are extremely frustrated, not only with the regulations coming at us from the state level, but also uh, how how difficult it's been uh, to make any progress at the local level and with the ECIDA in its current form. And I've heard from many, many business leaders frustrated. Yes, I mean, we want to we want to grow our population here in western New York. We want to ease the tax burden. We want to uh, make it a place where my kids, I, you know, my, my oldest is 21. He's going into his senior year in college. There's nothing I would like more than to be able to have him come here, stay here, work here, and have my children around me um, as they move on with their lives. And we don't make it easy uh, for, for startup businesses, for, for small business people who want to grow their business. We don't make it easy for them. Looking at New Era Cap, who just left a few months ago, do you think the county executive did enough to try to make them stay here? You know, with New Era as an example, I think the important thing is, you know, rather than standing outside a business that has made a strong investment, by the way, in Western New York over the years and protest, we should be sitting down with them and working with them on ways to keep them here. I recall back in my radio days that there was the possibility of New Era leaving at the Derby plant, and and they stuck around then. But obviously, uh, things have changed, and now they are not, although the headquarters 
are remaining in downtown Buffalo. They made a great investment there, and the world headquarters of New Era remains here. I think that rather than, you know, yelling and screaming or protesting, the most important thing to do is to reach out to company leaders, to business leaders, and say, what is it? Where, where are we going wrong? What, what are your issues? What can we do to better serve you? What can you do to better serve us? How can we work together uh, to, to ensure you're staying here? And, um, and that didn't happen. Lynn, uh, I was at the uh, Buffalo Niagara Partnership annual report presentation um, this past Thursday morning, and Dottie Gallagher, who was the head of the uh, the partnership, talked about how exciting it is to see business thriving in Western New York. But yet, the biggest challenge is the losing, the, you know, losing population, the loss of population uh, in our region. And you had alluded to that a moment ago about businesses struggling. Do you agree with her that that's probably the biggest challenge we face right now in the business community? Yes, and one of the things that I've heard in the business community is that there's we are losing um, a skilled workforce to retirement, and then we don't have the young workforce to step in with the skills necessary to take over. You know, there's there's years of history and knowledge and abilities that are lost when somebody retires, and we have to do a better job um, with training a skilled workforce. The trades need to be a key component and part of the discussion moving forward in what we do with this region. I will tell you that, you know, back, I remember my dad, who was uh, who was World War II era guy, knew how to fix anything. You know, he'd pop the hood of the car and he'd, he'd make a repair. There was something broken in the house and he would fix it. We are not that way anymore. We don't know how to fix things like our parents and grandparents did. So, we need a skilled workforce more than ever, and there are great opportunities financially and and career-wise, and I think that there needs to be a greater focus on that, absolutely. But I think we are not um, creating the best business climate in the world for those that would like to um, develop a workforce and stay here. Lynn, would you mind hanging on for one more segment? Sure. Awesome. We have a quick news update with Neil McManus and then back with Lynn Dixon. It's Brenda and Beamer here on Hardline on WBEN. Welcome back, Buffalo. 11.35 here on Hardline. It is Brenda and Beamer and Lynn Dixon's on the line with Kevin from Pendleton. Kevin, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my question to um, uh, Ms. Uh, uh, Lynn Dixon here, um, uh, a Democrat, um, Erie County Clerk, Mickey Kearns, and Erie County Comptroller, Stefan Mahayu, both shared my concerns of the possible voter fraud that can happen with the um, issue of driver's permits to illegal aliens. But also, uh, they also showed some concern in a conflict of interest and possible culture of corruption at the Erie County Board of Elections, where Democratic Commissioner Jeremy Zellner is also chairman of the Democratic Party. And since you are an independent, what is your opinion about this? And would you join the call and the movement for Zellner to step down as an elections commissioner? I will listen to your answer off here. Thank you very much, ma'am. Oh, thank you, Kevin. And well, first about um, the concern about voter fraud, uh, even the sponsors of the bill acknowledge there are some loopholes that could lead to voter fraud. So that is very much a concern. You know, we want to 
we want to ensure uh, that elections um, are held with the highest, you know, sense of trust. And uh, to the extent that there could be a loophole that could lead to some voter fraud is very, very much a concern. Secondly, uh, Kevin, with respect to your um, to your other question, you know, I think that um, Jeremy Zellner's dual role uh, does lead to some questions. I know in the newspaper there were some questions, too, about whether or not um, a, a Board of Elections commissioner can investigate himself as a, as a party chairman. Um, ideally, I would think that the Democrats would want um, two different people in that role. Uh, it is up to the Democrat Party uh, to choose who they want as their chairman. It's up to the Democrat Party uh, to put forth uh, their, their appointment as Board of Elections commissioner. But I do think it raises a lot of questions and concerns. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think uh, the Democrat Party is going to have to look inward going forward to see um, how they wish to resolve that issue. Tony is on the line from Clarence, and he has a question for you as well. Good morning, Tony. Brenda, hey, Tony, okay. Yes, uh, mixed sticks, and it's not Democrat Party. It's Democratic Party, and you know it. That's my first thought. Are you telling the people of Erie County that the law which was passed by a state legislature should not be uh, not be respected because you don't agree with it? What are you talking? What are you saying? And by the way, do you know that the uh, clerks in any county in the state who don't enforce this law, from what I know, would can be replaced by the governor? Well. Uh Hello, Tony. Um, it's nice to hear from you this morning. Uh, I, that's why it is going to court right now, Tony, because there is a question of whether or not federal law supersedes state law. And so it is being challenged in court where that determination will be made uh, as, to, as to whether or not federal law supersedes state law. Because, again, we are talking about, according to federal law, people who are not here legally. So if somebody is not here legally how can they then get a driver's license which by the way is a privilege not a right i will say i took my 16 year old son to get his permit a few weeks ago i had to provide his social security card his passport my driver's license so i had to provide a number of documents uh that that showed who i was and who he was there are questions about the documents that these immigrants would present to the county clerk's office and whether or not they are legal documents or whether they are fraudulent documents. And the challenge is that those hard workers in the county clerk's office would have to face wondering whether or not uh, the documentation that they are using to determine somebody's identity are, are legal documentation. So there are numerous questions surrounding this law. It is being challenged in other states as well. Uh, and it's being challenged now to ask who, which law supersedes which. Because right now, in our country, there are federal laws that state whether or not you are here legally or otherwise. Lynn, thank you so much for the time. You have yourself a great Sunday. 
Thank you. You too. Great talking with you, Lynn. Thanks very much. That is Lynn Dixon. She is running for county executive. Coming up next, the current county executive, Mark Polencars, joins the buffet after this. 930 WBEN. It is Brenda and Beamer. Hard line for you. And we welcome Erie County Executive Mark Polencars to the show this morning. Good morning, County Executive. How are you? Good morning, Brenda. Good morning, Joe. Joe, how's Virginia Tech football looking this year? I think Buffalo could get them. Hey, Mark, let me tell you, the first two games will be very telling. If they can get revenge on Boston College and ODU, we're looking good. If not, ooh, that streak's in trouble. Oh, God, we can sleep at night now, Mark. Yeah, we don't really want to be talking about the getting revenge on ODU. That doesn't say much about the team there, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, Mark, the last time uh, you and I talked on the air, uh, there were blizzard-like conditions out there, and uh, we were talking during one of those storms, and we did some extended coverage. And today we talked to you. It's a beautiful summer day in Buffalo, but uh, roads are in the news again. And uh, there are a lot of the common complaints that people talk about are, are the poor road conditions and infrastructure throughout Erie County. What would you say to that as the sitting incumbent? Well, I mean, we've spent a lot of money to fix roads during my administration. Actually, since 2012, the highway division has spent over $400 million between its operating and the money we put in to build new roads, and we're spending $40 million this year. What I would just remind everybody is uh, we have more miles of roads that Erie County owns. This doesn't include the city. This doesn't include the towns than three states have in total, and that would be the states of Rhode Island, Delaware, and Hawaii. Hmm. We have 1,200 centerline miles of roads, which is about 2,400 lane miles of roads. If you started and just built one lane blacktop road from downtown Buffalo and headed west, you could not complete the road because eventually you'd hit the Pacific Ocean. So we have a lot of miles of roads. I also hear from folks saying repair the roads but keep my taxes low, and what we've been able to do is keep our taxes low by reducing the rate to the lowest amount and always keeping it under the New York State imposed tax cap amount. We never went over it. There's a lot of municipalities that locally did. So we're spending a lot of money on roads, $40 million this year. We're doing some big roads all across Deary County. Old Lake Shore Road in Evans is going to get done later this year. East and West Road, a good portion of it in West Seneca. Uh, we're just finishing up Ellicott Creek Road in Tonawanda all the way from Niagara Falls Boulevard to uh, the city of Tonawanda line. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of other ones that we've announced, and we're going to be announcing more in the future. Uh, we live in the north. We had a horrible, horrible winter. As you noted, we spoke during a blizzard last, and uh, we had a lot of freeze thaws, which caused damage. Uh, we're spending $40 million of, of money on the roads this year, which is a little bit more than we've spent the last few years, but uh, we spent a lot of money. We're going to continue to repair roads. And we'll be working with our partners and local government to fix as many roads as we possibly can. I'll say one thing that's hurt us this year is the rainy season. This rain we had in spring, and and truthfully now here we are summer. Thankfully we have a beautiful day today, but they're predicting more rain for the upcoming week. Uh, We can't really go out there and do work when it's pouring. You can do some milling work during light rain, but you can't pave when it's raining. And that's been a problem where we're delayed. We're actually backed up on some of the projects that we thought we'd have completed by now just because of the the showers that we've had. But uh, don't worry about it. We're working on the weekends. Uh, We've got full crews out six days a week. On Sunday, we do cleanup work. But yesterday, we're out finishing up uh, a road in Tonawanda because uh, we're there to serve the people. And I know it's never enough. I wish we could do more. 
but uh, we have a limited budget, uh, and we're spending a lot of money, $40 million this year, and uh, I'm hopeful that uh, we're going to get a lot done by the end of fall. Mark, speaking of roads, you knew this was going to come. The illegal license or the license for illegal immigrants passed this week. We talked to your opponent, Lynn Dixon, about it earlier in the show. Mickey Kearns and Stefan Mihailu are fighting it. Mickey Kearns said he won't give license to illegal immigrants. Stefan has started a hotline, which you spoke against in the Buffalo News. Where do you stand on the county clerk not complying with state law? Well, first off, regarding what Stefan did, actually, I created the whistleblower hotline when I was county controller so that people could uh, anonymously and confidentially report the waste, fraud, and abuse of county resources. And I have criticized uh, uh, Controller Mahailu because this is not county resources. He's asked people, county clerks and truthfully anyone across New York State, to report someone they think is an illegal immigrant and then he'll report it to ICE. That is not what the, the hotline was created for. The hotline was created for the reporting of waste, fraud, abuse of county resources. So I have criticized Comptroller Mahailu about that. Now, with regards to what the clerk has done, I believe the clerk has an obligation to fulfill the law, but the clerk has asked the county attorney's office to, to file a suit on behalf of him in federal court to determine the constitutionality of the law. If it's unconstitutional, it shouldn't be enforced. If it's constitutional, well, then the clerk has done an oath to enforce it. I directed the county attorney to file that suit. The clerk can request it, but he can't force it. Only I and the legislature can commence actions. And I have direct, directed County Attorney Michael Saragusa in his office last week to file a suit uh, on behalf of the county clerk to determine the constitutionality of the law. Now, the law doesn't go into effect for like another 175 days. Our office and the county attorney's office believes that they can file a matter for declaratory judgment before the federal court, which is a very quick proceeding, and actually have a determination from a federal judge issued before the law takes effect. So uh, I've directed that. We'll know if the law is constitutional. And if it is, then we all take an oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution, the New York State Constitution, and the Erie County Charter. And I would expect, if it's determined to be constitutional, that the clerk would uphold it. If it's determined to be unconstitutional, then, of course, he doesn't have to uphold it. Mark, you're an attorney as well as county executive. What's your best guess on how this will shake out? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the federal court ruled it's constitutional uh, for if you look at the the way our system of government works, you have federal law, you have state law, and then you have local law. And you have a, a, a kind of rule of thumb called preemption, where if the federal government rules on behalf of something, the states cannot do something differently. If they don't, if the federal government doesn't do anything, then the states are, are allowed to act in a, in a manner that they feel is appropriate. It's part of our federalism system. So if the federal government acts in a way that preempts the states from doing something, then the states can't do that. In this situation here, the federal government has not acted in any particular manner. So it's basically said states do as you see fit. And and as a result, 12 other states and the District of Columbia already offer licenses to undocumented immigrants. New York would be the 13th state to do it. And uh, we'll see if the court determines that it's unconstitutional, it will stop it. If it determines it's constitutional, then uh, the uh, clerk Kearns has got a decision to make. Will he uphold a law that a federal judge has determined is constitutional? And if that's the case, that's a decision he's going to have to make. 
uh, because then if he doesn't do it, he risks a big lawsuit being filed against the county uh, for basically failure to follow the law. You must have had that conversation with Mr. Saragusa as well, the potential for that. I think he did. I don't know for certain. I mean, the, the, the county attorney represents all the in- individuals, but uh, I would hope he had that conversation. I do know he requested the suit to determine the constitutionality, and I have directed the county attorney's office to file that suit. I believe they're going to file it within the next two weeks in federal court here in Western District of New York, right in downtown Buffalo. Uh, it'll get assigned to a judge, and then the judge will have to make a determination based on the law. It wouldn't surprise me that it's determined to be constitutional, uh, because remember, what public feelings and in- individual feelings don't go into a determination of whether a law is constitutional or not. What goes into a determination is what is the precedent? What does the federal law say? What does other case law say? And then uh, the judge will make a determine based on that. I mean, I'd hate to see the county get filed a big lawsuit against us from, say, the some, some national organization like the ACLU if, if Clerk Kearns elects not to do this, uh, because it could cost us a lot of money, and it really is something that should, we shouldn't be wasting money on. We have uh, so many topics we'd love to get into, but one of our callers or texters, we had invited people to either call or text in with questions for you or Lynn Dixon. And uh, Mark from, uh, we wanted to ask you, it was Bob from Buffalo. He's asking, are you leaving your armed guards outside when you go into a school? And First of all, do you still have an armed guard with you? And if so, do you leave them outside when you enter a school? Uh, well, the only ones who are allowed to go into schools with armed uh, armed are actually law enforcement that are authorized law enforcement. Uh, I sometimes have guards with me. I think we all know about the issue that I had that was reported in, in, in local news. Uh, there have been in the past threats on my life. I mean, social media is one thing. I expect to get bad social media threats because, unfortunately, that's how it is today. But we had an issue at my house. We've had some other things. So for me, it's uh, we want to ensure the safety of uh, the people that are around me, too. Uh, I have not gone into a school recently with any armed guards. Uh, usually, if I do have security with me, if it's a safe environment, I, I actually don't have the security. We, they, they usually wait outside. Uh, so earlier this year, I did a reading at a local school in Buffalo, and, uh, I, and I just went inside to a third-grade class and read before the third-grade class. There was no reason to be worried about security when you're inside the school. Uh, but I do. I will note to Bob in Buffalo that even if they did come in, they're allowed to have uh, uh, an arm on them because they are actual sheriff's deputies. They're actually law enforcement. It's not like some private security. These are sheriff's deputies. Same thing with the mayor. The mayor has a security officer. The district attorney has a security officer. Uh, because the district attorney often gets threats associated with the crimes that he prosecutes. So uh, I would say that in most situations, the answer would be no. But if they do, uh, because they are legitimate law enforcement personnel, they do have the right to do it. And obviously, you know, some people just take it way too far. And an opinion here or some commentary, uh, we, we shouldn't be getting to the, the point of personal attacks when it comes to politics. We can all have our opinions, but some people just take it way too far. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand it. You, we can agree to disagree, and we can have a beer at the end of the day. You and I can have a chuckle about football, Virginia Tech, and UB. And I agree, probably uh, Virginia Tech is a stronger team than UB. <laughs> but uh, I look at it this way. 
Uh, when it gets to a point of threats against public officials' lives, then it's not good. Yeah, well, UB could have beaten Virginia Tech last year, September 22nd, Mark. Yeah, we, we probably would have. <laughs> but uh, who knows? Maybe that's a game we can try to set up where we have a home-and-home home where v, uh, VT comes to or Vatek comes to Buffalo and we go down there. Yeah, and Mark, I'll tell you right now, if you want to come down for that game, you can sit in my seats anytime. Uh, well, there's an offer you can't refuse, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I would just want one thing about the security. Last uh, winter, uh, the mayor of Gdansk, Poland, was stabbed to death on stage at a, like a holiday celebration. Uh, an individual who had it, who had previously had issues with the mayor, who was mentally ill, ran on stage and stabbed the mayor to death. I mean, we live in really strange times. Uh, people get really hot with the rhetoric that often exists. And I think it's important that if any public official got a threat against their life, I mean, we're here to protect them. We have personnel that are trained in the sheriff's office and the Buffalo PD, New York State Troopers and others who should be out there protecting public officials. Listen, if I wanted to make more money and have my life easier, I'd go back and practice law. But I'm trying to make a difference in the community. It's just not good when I'm there and maybe with my girlfriend and her daughter and we're worried about some deranged individual taking a shot at us. That's the world we live in today, and that's why security exists for public officials. No, definitely. And like I said, there's really no room for that. One uh, last question, Mr. Kanye Executive. Your opponent said that when it came to New Era, she would have done more than stand outside and protest. I wanted to see if you had a response to that. Uh, well, I don't know if she knows what I did, but I actually I met with Chris Cook and his senior staff uh, to discuss this matter. I, I offered Chris additional assistance through the ECIDA. Uh, and he looked at me straight in the face. He says, I'm closing it, Mark. There's nothing you can do. Uh, so it wasn't just a protest. I mean, I, the protest was to basically let the public know what was going on. But I actually sat down with the owner and the chief executive officer and their chief counsel, I believe, in their headquarters in downtown Buffalo. They did give me the courtesy of having that meeting in which I explained why they should not close down the Derby facility and what the county and the county IDA was willing to do to save it. And he looked me straight in my face and he said, I'm closing it anyway. There's nothing you can do. So for uh, my opponent to go out there and criticize me as if I didn't do a lot is wrong because I did. I worked very hard at it. But when you have a party that's not willing to work with you and they're, they're basically outsourcing local jobs, local union jobs were outsourced overseas and to Florida for non-union jobs paying minimum wage, uh, there's not a whole lot we can do when you have somebody who's willing to do that. I was very disappointed by the decision by Mr. Cook. Uh, I don't think it was appropriate for a company that's been built by not only his family, but by the workers that supported it. But any criticism of myself and state officials, Senator Schumer, who was involved, we all worked very hard to try to save those jobs. But in the end, the owner refused to work with us. He said he was moving the jobs, and he did. So if Ms. Dixon felt like she could have done more, Maybe, but we basically went to them and, and, and gave them an opportunity to save them and gave was willing to give them more tax breaks to do it, and he said no. That's as simple as how it went down. Well, Mr. Kanye Executive, thank you so much for the time. And I have to say, Mark and I don't always agree on Twitter, but Mark always replies, and it's, it's a somewhat friendly back and forth. It never gets <laughs> too bad. Mark, I will always take up that beer offer with you anytime. Sounds good, Joe. And Brenda, have a great day, everyone. Appreciate you coming on with us, uh, Mark, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.